When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It feels very real, whether it's animation or not, to see a character that is that you love evolve and mature, like literally mature. Mm. I love that that was a decision that was made by Dave. Like, yeah. I'm not putting it all out there. She has some milestones to achieve. Coming to you straight out of Tashi Station, it is the Dagobah Dispatch. Yes, I know Tashi Station's not technically on Dagobah, but the Dagobah Dispatch truly is an interplanetary entity. The reach of this podcast knows no bounds of time nor space. Welcome, Earthlings. I am Dalton Ross, back from my vacation on the Outer Rim and excited to be back along with Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan on the docket this week. Devin is so cool. She hung out with Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren which is to say she interviewed Rosario Dawson and Natasha Lou Bordizo from the upcoming live-action Ahsoka show. Plus, it's a big week for geeks, as San Diego Comic-Con is upon us. We're going to chat all about the big panels happening this year. Plus, take a look back at some Star Wars Comic-Con moments from the past. So we're looking ahead, and we're looking back. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. But more importantly, I'm looking for and have found Devin and Lauren Lauren, you you were out last week as well, spending a little R&R in the back to tank. Are you all healed up? Uh, I've still got some weird sunburns uh, from my beach vacation on Scarif, but otherwise I am am ready to go. Uh, Devin, that was, by the way, going to give a little plug. Super fun chat you had last week on last week's episode of the podcast with EW's Chuck Kerr and Jessica Leon. I... uh, encourage everyone to check it out. I know you had a great time, but I know you also missed us. Mm-hmm. I did miss you guys. You know, it is it wasn't the same without my fellow Dagobah Dispatch friends here. But so I'm excited to have you guys back this week. It's weird listening to it because I don't know about you, Lauren, because mm-hmm. part of me is like, oh my God, this is so fun. I get to just listen. But the other part's like, well, why aren't I on it? Like, why? I, like, I, like I, I should be on this thing, but I'm not on this thing. So I just have to let go and just enjoy it as a fan. Yeah. I had that as well, especially I think when uh, Chuck was talking about animated stuff and I wanted to chime in I and I was just like, <laughs> as soon as he went there. Yeah, I think I called that out, too. Yeah, I was like, you, you know, I, if you. only Lauren was here. <laughs> Thank you for that, at least. Speaking about uh, calling things out before we before we get going, I said that if anyone left us a review on Apple Podcasts, that they would get a shout out. So it's shout out time. We're giving a shout out to Jess Lovejoy 2016, if that is your real name. Jess left us a very nice review and and she said, please do not just do podcasts around the show. I absolutely love how in-depth the conversations are and the knowledge of the hosts. And uh, Jess Lovejoy 2016, I will say to you, we are not just doing podcasts around when Disney Plus shows are on, uh, as you hear us right now. Um, we'll have some interviews with the cast of those shows, but we're also going to be talking all manner of Star Wars stuff uh, from here until uh, eternity. And when she talks about knowledge of the hosts, I assume that means you too. I mean, I, th- I like to think we all... Yeah, we, we, I think we spread it we, around. We, we, we make a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
All right, so it is Comic-Con week, and as you guys are listening to this, um, well, I don't know when you're listening to this, but we drop the episodes on Thursday, and that is day one of Comic-Con 22 out in San Diego. And so we're going to talk a little Comic-Con. We're going to talk about Star Wars at Comic-Con. We're talking about some of the non-Star Wars things happening at this Comic-Con. And then, like I mentioned, that's just the appetizer, the main course. We have the uh, the cast of Ahsoka, Rosario Dawson, Natasha Lou Bordizo coming up a little bit later. But let me just sort of set the table here, a little background. Our colleague Maureen Lee Lenker uh, did a great piece or is doing a great piece coming out uh, on Thursday about Star Wars's first appearance at Comic-Con in San Diego. It was in 1976, July 22nd, 1976, to be specific. And uh, it was at the El Cortez Hotel, whatever that is. <laughs> and you can see pictures of it. It's pretty great. It's like somewhere in between a big conference room and a small ballroom, I guess. I don't know. There's maybe a hundred people in the room. There's like empty chairs. There's like a slide projector. And if you look really closely behind the slide projector screen is some sort of Comic-Con banner with Broomhilda on it. Like I guess Broomhilda <laughs> was their big mascot or something, which is really weird. But uh, basically they had the uh, our comic book writer, Roy Thomas and artist Howard Chaikin were there to talk up this new movie at that point, which was called The Star Wars. And they wore t-shirts. They had posters they tried to sell for $1.25 that they basically could not sell, so they ended up just giving them away. Can you imagine how much those Can are going for? Maybe, Can you imagine? Yeah, those would be worth a lot. Believe it. So cool. And so that was the first appearance ever of Star Wars at Comic-Con. I'm the only one that was actually alive, I think, at that point. Uh, in Ju July of 76. Lauren, were, were you uh, maybe I, I was conceived but not alive? I, I, I was cooking. I was cooking. I was in the <laughs> womb. You know, I wasn't born yet, but I was cooking. I mean, I only would have been five years old. Yeah. I don't think I would have been hanging out at the El Cortez Hotel in San Diego. But can you all imagine just how cool it would have been, like the bragging rights of having been in that room? Oh my God, I can't imagine. And especially like what a cool thing is, uh, you know, and the comics, you know, they started working on them, you know, before the movie was even out. So, you know, so much of it is just based on like Ralph McQuarrie's concept art and like a lot of that kind of stuff. So, oh my God, what a, what a cool, cool thing. Yeah. When, when he started working on the comics, there was a script. He was Luke Starkiller still at mm -hmm. that point. He wasn't even Skywalker. Oh. And they didn't really know a whole lot about the movie. So they showed a slideshow with some, some art and that was... That was really about it. Now, they did do... There's no footage of that. There's some pictures, but there's no footage. You can't find anywhere. However, if you look, you can find footage from a panel they did in the summer of 1976 at a, a convention called Mid-American. And this had uh, George Lippincott, who was sort of the head of publicity and marketing uh, at the time. And he was sort of... He was, he was the big person that was like, we got to get out to these conventions. So he's really to thank for this. Uh, you had Mark Hamill and you had producer Gary Kurtz. Yeah. And you, you can watch like a like a 30 minute Q&A on YouTube that is just hysterical to watch the questions that are that are asked. And one person's like, are you going to have like sexy aliens in this sh in this movie, which is just kind of genius. And then there's this question, which the audio is not great. You can't hear the question. But basically, the question is. How do you handle the light swords for the movie? And I want you guys to take a listen 
to how they answer this. Cause it seems so crazy now, like having any confusion over how a lightsaber works, but like they hadn't seen the movie yet and they're hearing about these <laughs> light swords. And, and so they're having to explain what it is. Uh, let's take a listen. Very carefully. How do you use with? How do you use them when you fight with them? Well, they're 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 used like samurai swords are. They're large swords. You don't duel with them like three musketeers style. Do they bounce off each other? In other words, now the beam is about three or four feet long, <laughs> and it works like a regular sword. They cut they cut through things, and when they hit each other, they spark and arc. Okay, then you have to you just have a handle, and then later on stick it lighter. Uh, that's part of it, but some of the shots we used uh, front projection material on the sword, which uh, reflects back to the camera. I just love the <laughs> like. Does it have a handle? Like, wh how does the light work? How is light a weapon? I don't get it. So explain this to me. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, guys. Like this whole light sword thing. I don't know. Doesn't sound like it's you know. I'm curious if that was like the first of Mark Hamill's many convention appearances. I can't even imagine how many he's had at this point, but was that the very first one? Curious about. It, I, I, I bet it probably was. Yeah. There's also there's also the dude, the funny, <laughs> the guy who's basically like, are you gonna have sexy aliens in this movie? And they kind of downplay, it, like, no, not really. We're not. That's not the type of thing we're doing. He basically like, well, good luck then. <laughs> so, so amazing. It's so right. It's good. like Star Wars. Yeah. Good luck. I'm, yeah. I'm sure this one will. Well, it'll, you'll make so much money. Oh my god! Oh. And now cut to later when you know people are paying hundreds of dollars to make those light swords at Disneyland, and you know there there's always things coming out about scientists are always trying to make real lightsabers, and who knew? It's um we don't anticipate. I'm always wrong when I try and prognosticate on this podcast, so maybe <laughs> you should just say the opposite of whatever I say. But we don't anticipate there being a a, a big Star Wars presence at this Comic Con. There'll be some booths. You can buy some toys. There'll be things of that nature. But we don't expect a panel or anything big like that. As you know, they just had their Star Wars celebration panel where Devin was. There's going to be D23 coming up in September. They kind of do their own thing. But even without Star Wars there, Star Wars is still such a huge part of any comic book convention. Just in, like I said, the toys, the comic books, there'll be a booth, I know, with the new Star Wars books they're going to be talking about. And just the, the, the fans and the cosplay will be absolutely out of control. And so I want to find out whether either of you have ever done, and I'm not talking about Halloween. Like I got pictures of myself age six years old in a Darth Vader, like the old school, like just plastic mask and like weird toxic plastic thing you'd wrap around you. Um, so I've got that. But when I'm talking about actual cosplay at a convention or some sort of event, have you ever done it in Star Wars gear? If so, what did you do? And if not, what would be your Star Wars cosplay? Lauren Morgan, I imagine, has many cosplay experiences. I Honestly, they've all been uh, relegated to Halloween because I have never actually been to a con in person. Like, I've never been to New York Comic Con, never been to St. Like, I've never, ever actually been to a con. So all of my uh, Star Wars stuff has been Halloween-based. And my husband and I keep joking that we should just at least go to New York Comic Con and drag all of these goofy costumes that we have in our house for them. You 100% should. Your your husband has made some amazing stuff. Yeah, my husband has made a full-size Totoro costume that gets stuck in the doors when he wears it. So we've been thinking about to, at least taking that one because that one's probably the, the most impressive of all of them. In terms of Halloween, we've done- Who have I've you been? been? I've been Endor Leia. I was Rey and my daughter was BB-8. My daughter was an Ewok one year, which she hated. I think I've mentioned that before. And that was when I was Endor Leia and she was my Ewok. And then- uh, 
I don't think I've been indoor Leia a couple of times because sometimes I just recycle my costumes. But my daughter has been my daughter's been BB-8, she's been an Ewok, and she's been Ray. And then once she got to actually, you know, have an input in her costume, she has no longer been Star Wars people. Was your daughter as scary, scarier, or not as scary when she was an Ewok as the Ewoks at the Fan Strikes Back? event that you and I went to? Well, she hated the costume. So we have like photos of her her trying on the costume where she's crying because she doesn't like being in the costume. (laughs) But then actually on Halloween night, we got her in for uh, about 30 minutes because she understood I get candy if I wear this. And that was the only way we got her in because she was like two at the time. So she put the costume on. I should send the photos of it because it's pretty cute. And her hair was like this big curly afro and it just kind of blended into the Ewok hair. So I will say she was not scary at all. She was pretty adorable. So I just want to be clear. You bribed your two-year-old with candy to dress up as an Ewok. I I bribed my child with almost everything. Like I bribed her with M&Ms to potty train. I bribed her to make her bed. I'm probably doing all of this parenting stuff wrong, but I have, my parents believed in bribing and I do the same thing. So Lauren Morgan, if we were going to fly you out to Comic-Con and Mm -hmm. you were going to cosplay as a Star Wars character, who would it be? Um, I think, uh, and this is like my husband and I have been batting around Ahsoka just because I would kind of like to do the, uh, the big headpiece, or I probably would also like to do Harris and Dula from uh, Star Wars Rebels. Those are the two that we've actually been sort of batting around in terms of costumes that I would like to do. It's not easy being green, Lauren. That's a lot no, that's, of... that that's the one thing is like, I don't like having my painted or anything so my husband's like when i said this he's like it's like you'll never do that what are you talking about that that that's an issue uh yeah. devin have you ever dressed up as a star wars character not as star wars my one and only cosplay experiences when i was in college i went to c2e2 which is the one of the big chicago cons um and i was uh fiona the human from from adventure time um but that's not star wars related no i i, I don't think i ever have i think i dressed up as han solo once for a halloween party in, in college but just with stuff i had from my closet just like a vest and stuff but um no mm. i i've never really dipped my toe into that but i'm always i i am obsessed with cosplayers i love like following them on social media i love just seeing all the amount of detail and care that goes into everything that was one of my favorite parts about being at star wars celebration earlier this year is just seeing all of the amazing detailed cosplayers who are there and with some some real deep cuts i know I, I sent you guys a picture but one of my favorites there was an incredible frog lady you know which which is just like a deep that cut. was impressive you, it was i remember so you good. sent that one that was really impressive you know and, and the bosk and like all these amazing you know sculpted masks and costumes and everything and i'm 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 obsessed that's always one of my favorite parts of going to cons so if you were going to dress up which character would you dress up as I think I would have to do a deep cut. I, I mean, like, I, I would, you know, obviously love to do a Leia or somebody like that. But I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'd do like a Wedge Antilles or something like that. Or, or I could do a Biggs and, and add a mustache. <laughs> See, if you got the, like, the Rebel pilot outfit, then you could just switch it up. You know, one day you're Wedge and the next day you put a, a mustache on and your Biggs and then, like, switch out the helmet and you could be uh, Poe. <laughs> exactly. The, you know, you want you, the, the flexibility is key. Mm-hmm. Why are you guys dissing Porkins again? Why can Porkins <laughs> never get a decent shout out from you two? Okay. <laughs> Poor <love> dude. <laughs> <laughs> Our apologies to, yeah. to Porkins. If I go deep cut to, I mean, like, what would I be if I do cosplay? I wouldn't, I, I'd love to do Lobot, but you need to be super bald to do Lobot. So unless I got like a, you know, like a mask thing to put on your head, like 
uh, actors do when they don't want to shave their head. I couldn't do that. I don't really want to do helmets or prosthetics because it's just too hot. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just too toasty. So I don't want to do that. I actually think I'd want, you know who I'd want to be? Because I like, I like doing really deep cuts. One year, a few years back, I was Zach Pizzazz. And for those that don't know, Zach Pizzazz, no one will know what that is. Zach Pizzazz was, so I wasn't Ted Danson and I wasn't <laughs> Ted Danson's character on The Good Place. I was a character that Ted Danson's character on The Good Place pretended to be to Jason Mendoza when he went like back in time. And he was supposed to be like just a, a hipster guy named Zach Pizzazz. So I was Zach Pizzazz for Halloween once. So in that sort of tradition, I think I would be the you rebel scum guy from Return of the Jedi. Ooh, He's the one that one. shows up in Endor after the first guy goes freeze and Han Solo throws like a block at him that somehow managed to knock him over a rail into the reactor, which just did not seem like it was that heavy. But the guy that steps in right after him is the guy that points the blaster at them and just says, you rebel scum, just with such disdain in his voice. And I want to be that guy. An icon, a legend. We love him. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's who I'd be. But then I'd have to explain the problem with these costumes. You have to explain it, over explain it. And then by the time you're halfway through explaining it, people have lost interest. So I just that's look like true. Rando Imperial. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I think Star, you'd be surprised by how many, you know, Star Wars fans will, will, will get a deep cut. That, that was, I will say, one of the best things about Star Wars Celebration is that I, I understood all the references. You know, somebody would walk, walk by and I'll be like, I know exactly who you are. Whereas opposed to when I go to regular Comic-Con, I'm like, you're from some anime that I've never seen yeah. or you're from some show. We always do a cosplay gallery on EW and there's always a point in the weekend when we're like passing a like an image back and forth being like, what is this? The costume is really good, but I don't know who this is. And so it's like, we're kind of trying to like figure out, is this from an anime? Is this from this? You know, and then you get like the people who do mashup costumes and yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of mashups at Star Wars Celebration. There were a lot of Disney Princess Mandalorians, which I thought was cool. There was like yeah. uh, Frozen Elsa as 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 a Mandalorian, and and you know lots of various things. Love a mashup. My favorite mashup. It, it's not a Star Wars one, but someone went as Jon Snow White during a Comic Con like a couple years ago. So they were like wearing a Snow White outfit, but had like a full like beard and like you know the full Jon Snow hair. So that was always my favorite. Jon Snow White was is my favorite mashup. Sure. Bastard Snow White. All right. Um, I haven't seen this, but I'm sure someone's done it. So like when you're at Comic-Con, there's all the panels and then there's what is known as quote unquote, the floor. And the floor is where everyone shows up with their booths and they're selling stuff or they're promoting stuff. And at some of those booths, they'll have like kind of cool photo op type things you can do. You know, there's certain giant activations that are outside. These are like smaller deals that you can do and get some fun photos and this and that. And there was one situation at sort of an area where they're selling a bunch of Star Wars toys. And I've told you guys about this before, where it was a, a life-size Kenner toy box. So it was like, imagine wow. the original late 70s, 1980s Kenner action figures and it had the big sort of plastic bubble and the, the, the figure would be in there. And then there'd be a big cardboard card behind it. And so they had a life-size one. So you could go in the bubble and be the action figure. And that would be pretty cool to walk around, not only in costume, but create the cardboard for the character and then be in the character and walk around in the plastic. I love That's that. That's what I want to see. <laughs> and I mean, you might also give you a lot of COVID protection on That's top exactly of that right. if you're just in a Seriously. So, Lauren, Lauren, listen, I, I actually leave for Comic-Con at this taping in about 10 hours. If your husband mm -hmm. can make that for me, before I leave. <laughs> Is that a tight deadline? You think he could do that? It's a little bit of a tight deadline, but he's pulled through before. So 
I mean, he's currently trying to make an Iron Giant costume in the in the garage, so we'll <gasps> see how it goes. Oh my it's god! Already, you're going to make me movie. cry just talking about Iron Giant. I just want to talk about any Comic Con Star Wars memories we might have, either being there or not being there. And you know, Lauren may have the most interesting story, having to deal with all the photos from New York late at yeah. night as they're coming through our studio. So I'd love to hear that. And I certainly have one. Devin, do you have any sort of Comic Con Star Wars related stories from the past? It actually could even be something from Celebration that you saw when you were there. Yeah, I mean, I will say this is actually something. The first thing that I thought of was was D twenty three in twenty nineteen was was similar vibes. It's where it's where it's all Disney. Um, but there we were backstage. We had a, a video suite and an interview suite backstage after all of the stars and the celebrities would would get off stage after doing their presentation. And while they were there, they were doing a lot of Star Wars stuff, and they brought out the animatronic BB eight and R two D two, like the the actual like life size ones that can roll and move and beep and react and c- are controlled by by people. People. And I will tell you that they were the most beloved celebrities at the entire thing. I literally watched as The Rock and Emily Blunt geeked out over getting to meet R2-D2 and BB-8. They were like, oh my God. Meanwhile, like, you know, The Rock, Emily Blunt, Oscar Isaac is there, Jeff Goldblum's over in the corner. No one cared. All they wanted to do was hang out with BB-8 and R2-D2. And I was like, that speaks to just the sheer power of even the celebrities just totally geek out over stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I geeked out when I met BB-8. I was like, oh my God, it's BB-8 and R2-D2. Ah. I remember we had a BB-8 in the EW office at one point, And I remember going, sneaking down with the social team and meeting BB-8 then. And I was pretty excited. Right. It's like, we don't get starstruck as much anymore in our jobs, but I got starstruck meeting R2-D2. I was like, it's R2-D2. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like those videos and photos of like Chris Evans playing with puppies. Yes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've always, that made me think like, Talk about what you're talking about, Devin, with like all the stars and all then all the droids and people even more interested in the droids. I love to just like have people walk into a room and on one side of the room is Chris Evans and the other side of the room is a is just a bunch of puppies and just see which way they walk <laughs> and just see which which way they gravitate towards Chris Evans or the puppies. Although I don't know if you could keep Chris Evans away from the puppies because he's famously a dog guy. I am allergic to dogs, so I'd probably go for Chris Evans. That's fair. I think That's I, I've, I've had a few like R two D two C three PO photo ops at like Sirius XM. They would come in eventually and stuff and. Um, that's super fun. I, I, everyone loves a droid. Everyone loves a droid that, you know, beep, beep, bop, bop. It's, it's so cool. Well, it feels so real. And that's something I actually talked about in my interview with Natasha and with Rosario Dawson is because when we were at Star Wars Celebration, they brought Chopper out on stage. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, it's Chopper. He's here in front of us. And, you know, there's something that's so magical about And that's one of the cool things about cons too, is that you get to see you know, you, we got to see a lot of the Mandalorian stuff at, at Star Wars Celebration, where it's there's something wonderful about getting to see all those details and things in person. Because it's one thing to watch it on a screen, but like to really be there in the same space as it, it's, it's kind of magical. It kind of brings out the little kid in you. By the way, we're totally going to have to interview Chopper. And I've, I have oh, actually yes. have a history of interviewing robots. I don't know if you guys are familiar <laughs> with this, but I, I interv- twice I interviewed the Zingbot from Big Brother. And <laughs> he, if you don't know what he is, the Zingbot is a robot who comes into the Big Brother house once a year to insult the contestants to their face. And he just comes up with like insults and just so he gets a little salty. I mean, it's kind of Chopper-esque actually now that yeah, I think Chopper's about it. Chopper's very salty. Yeah, yeah, he's very, very salty. We're going to get Chopper on the podcast. That is like priority number <laughs> one now is we will get Chopper on the podcast. Lauren, what about you? You're no no well Devin and I are out gallivanting in San Diego and going yeah, to parties yeah. and this that. 
poor Lauren Morgan will be hanging out in Bloomfield, New Jersey, next to a total costume, waiting for photos to come in. So what's it been like for you with Star Wars in the past? Uh, waiting for those pictures to come in, and and you also, but this is this is interesting because sometimes you're waiting for photos and you're just like dreading it, but this time you're like up late, but you're probably excited to check out the Star Wars photos. So what are the what are the emotions like? Well, the I'm trying to think like the last time that we, I mean, I always like Star Wars celebration stuff, and uh, I honestly look forward to celebration much more than I look forward to Comic Con because it's my kind of stuff coming through, and a lot of Comic Con stuff, I was like, oh. You know, but uh, there have been some uh, very late nights with the Comic-Con and uh, and not just me, but the rest of our photo team. But the last big Comic-Con 2019, I was up till like four o'clock in the morning waiting for a portrait of the Eternals cast and the Black Widows cast. So that was kind of my last like my last big memory of Comic-Con. So I'm hoping we don't have that kind of stuff. But some fun stuff that we get to do, like I, I mentioned, we did the cosplay galleries. And sometimes I inadvertently stick a celebrity in one of the cosplay galleries and don't realize it till afterward when the celebrity reveals themselves that uh, I'm pretty sure I got Mark Hamill in a Stormtrooper outfit in yes. our Comic-Con gallery. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I could probably find the photo, but he was some sort of wearing a Stormtrooper helmet of some kind. And then I think later on revealed himself over Twitter. And then I was just like, I think I inadvertently put him in it and I, and I tagged him on Twitter and he liked the photo. So I'm assuming that was him, but maybe it wasn't, but he, maybe he was just playing along. And then also uh, got Mythbuster Adam Savage in a Chewbacca costume without realizing it. Uh, <laughs> Cause it was a very impressive Chewbacca costume. And then I saw like a couple days later that, uh, you know, he revealed his whole build behind it. So those were two like, and whenever I can accidentally get a celebrity in uh, in a cosplaying costume, I always find that amusing. But the big uh, Star Wars Comic-Con thing I remember is like in Force Awakens in 2015, but I was not working at EW at the time. But I do remember their huge Comic-Con panel then. But I, you know, I was working at uh, the New York Daily News at the time. So I was just watching that one on, uh, I think, the live stream. Yeah. So that's that's my moment was that that Mm -hmm. 2015 panel. And, you know, they came out, they debuted the cast. They then literally had stormtroopers come out and escort the entire crowd over to a private concert playing all the Star Wars music. Like literally they're going through the streets. And everyone had lightsabers, right? Everyone had lightsabers. It was insane out of this world. No pun intended, maybe slight pun intended. (laughs) And, um, but my moment was right before it. And, you know, we're we're all extremely lucky uh, to do what we do. We love pop culture, and we get to you know work in it and cover it, which is fantastic. But you know, anytime you're in, jo- in a job, you you can get a little jaded. Sometimes the magic will not seem quite as magical when you have to do it. But there are times where the magic shines right through, and you're just geeking out. And 2015, Entertainment Weekly always does a few panels at Comic Con. We have three great panels this year, and we did uh, a panel in 2015, Women Who Kick Ass. And we did mm-hmm. this panel for a few different years and had different um, sort of act, women in sort of action roles. And they come on and they talk about it. It was in Hall H, which is the big, huge mammoth hall at Comic-Con. So Denai Guerrera from Walking Dead was on the panel that year, I believe. And so that's why there maybe is Touch Adam Aslani. I think it was the Denai Guerrera year. So anyway, I went over there to the backstage area just to sort of check in, say hi. I wasn't moderating the panel or anything. And there's like this Kind of like a, 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 it's like almost like a, a ballroom area because it's a big one for lots of people to sort of hang out in before they have to go on the stage. So I went over there, went to the panel, and then we go back up to sort of the green room area. The next panel 
or maybe a panel after that, I can't quite remember, was going to be the Star Wars Force Awakens panel. And I'm sitting there kind of talking to some folks, and then I realize right next to me is Carrie Fisher. Um, And so I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like Carrie Fisher's right there. Then all of a sudden, Harrison Ford walks up to Carrie Fisher (laughs) and they start talking and they're right next to me. I mean, I'm talking like shoulder to shoulder, but like talking to different groups. They're not talking to me. (laughs) Hell no, they're not talking to me, (laughs) but they're right there. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's so amazing. Then Mark Hamill walks up and starts talking (laughs) to Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and they're all there talking and I'm not going to interrupt this. Hell no. But like, so I'm in this position where people are talking to me, but you ever in this thing where like people are talking to you, but you're trying to somehow wish you had like input levels like Sammy Junio has, (laughs) our producer, and you could turn down the input level on my conversation and turn up the input level on their conversation because I'm trying to eavesdrop listening to them. But then people are asking me stuff and I was like, oh my God, just shut up, shut up. Let me listen to them. But it was so cool because no one had seen these three together in, I don't even know how long at this point. And they hadn't even walked on the stage yet. And they're all sitting there all talking and there's just small talk, right? They're just making small talk, three Mm -hmm. friends chatting with each other. And I'm right there and I'm losing my marbles. (laughs) And it was so freaking cool. And it's one of those moments in our job. I will never, ever Oh, that is so magical, especially to see the any one of those people would be, you know, like a, like a career highlight, but just to see the three of them together is, is, really magical. I once walked past Harrison Ford on 8th Avenue in New York and I was pretty thrilled. Probably like, a good oh, move not to Harrison stop Ford. him. Probably I don't think yeah, he suffers no, fools. No, I didn't. You know, he was on the phone at the time and that was actually how I knew he was behind me because I heard him go, hi, this is Harrison. And I was like, what? And I like ducked <laughs> into a store and I was like, oh yeah, that was him. You know, because I was like very distinctive voice behind me when I uh, when I heard that. Have you ever done the thing where you try and pretend like you're taking a picture of yourself or reading your something on your phone, but you're actually taking a picture like of a celebrity or someone? Honestly, I've never done it, even though I'm like very good at spotting people. Even like right before, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast that uh, when we went to go see the Fan Strike Back exhibit, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw Billy Lord right before we walked in. She had walked past at that point. I was like, that is Billy Lord. And I'm pretty good at IDs because I do this professionally. <laughs> so I like poked Dalton and pointed out. And she was wearing a Star Wars backpack. Like yes. she had like the rebellion symbol on her backpack. So I was like, I love like, that. Yeah, I think that was pretty short. Yeah. So it was just sort of like a random occurrence. Or it was someone cosplaying as Billy yeah, Lord. We don't, we don't yeah. know which it was. Yeah. So those are all some great moments. And hopefully there'll be some more great moments this coming year. We don't have any big giant Star Wars panels going on, but there are, is some other stuff we can get into quickly. And Devin, you're going to be a busy bee, uh, I know, because I guess let's just start with uh, the Lord of the Rings, which is going to be making yes. their big Comic-Con debut, right? That is my my other nerd love is is Lord of the Rings in addition to Star Wars. Yeah, we um, we just launched the, the first look at EW's print Comic-Con issue, um, which is going to be available exclusively in San Diego. Um, it's got Lord of the Rings on the cover. We have the exclusive first look at Numenor, which is, if you're a Tolkien geek like me, you know, is this, this 
beautiful island kingdom that that looms large in in this history. And it's going to be, you know, they're they're sort of the taken over this year. You know, there's going to be a big panel. There's going to be interviews. It's it's going to be all things Lord of the Rings, which I'm I'm really excited about. And also, if you're going to be at San Diego, um, come see my panel that I'm moderating. I'm moderating for Evil on Paramount Plus, which is one of my absolute favorite shows. It's a very creepy and weird, funny show about demons. So come see that. And uh, the whole week, you know, Dalton and I are going to be doing interviews. We're going to be in the EW suite. You know, we've got, as always, we've got, you know, dozens of different casts coming in. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a busy week, but it's it's one of my favorite times of the year. And I'm I'm excited to get to go back. It's been so long. Can I go rogue for a second? Yeah. Is that okay? I'm going like I'm going rogue because this is unauthorized. <laughs> this is unauthorized content. I just listen. I'm a reporter. Sometimes I want to break some news. I just want to put some stuff out there. And I feel like our listeners are so awesome that they deserve to hear it here first. Okay. Devin is all up in the Lord of the Rings thing. Like she said, she's been putting up crazy content, all the exclusives, everything you want for the Lord of the Rings, the Ring of Power. If you want to know anything about that show, and my son wants to know everything about it because he is a (laughs) massive, massive Lord of the Rings fan. Devin has the info for you. But not only that, but Devin is going to be hosting a Lord of the Rings podcast, Free W. Do you want to d- divulge the title? We came up with a lot of titles. We did a lot of, of brainstorming. You know, uh, I'm going to be co-hosting it with my good friend, Christian Holub, who was a guest on Dagobah Dispatch a few weeks ago um, and is a total flippin' nerd like me. But yeah, we're going to be doing a, a podcast about all things Tolkien and getting into the rings of power. And it is, it is called All Rings Considered. Um, and it's, <laughs> good one. it's the EW Lord of the Rings podcast. I got to tell you, Devin like put forth some like other title name, which I won't mention, but then she's like, oh, so we think this should be the title. And then there's, a, we, we thought about these ones, but they're not as good. And everyone on that email was like, are you kidding me? It's all rings considered. <laughs> That's so much better. Like you have to do that one. <laughs> well, I just was going, we were going through this last week because we also have a uh, house of the dragon podcast that we were trying to name last week. So I was going through this with my colleague, Nick Romano. Because <laughs> we were trying to brainstorm what the the name of our podcast, and it's was. weird because we we we're calling that mm-hmm. all rings considered as well, which I think is too <laughs> much. But. We landed on West of Westeros for that one, so because we were like literally every name we came up with, someone had already had, and so it was yeah. just like when we came up with that one, we're like, oh, that one's not taken. Okay, we'll do that one. So done. it was just like at that point, yeah, done. But all rings considered is very funny. I like that one. Yeah, so we're so we'll definitely have you guys on at some point to talk Lord of the Rings. We'll we'll have lots of crossover between oh West God. and Westeros and Dagobah Dispatch and All <laughs> Rings Considered. We're building a little podcast empire. If you have mm-hmm. me on All Rings Considered, I might finally be semi cool to my son. That is the final <laughs> way to get through, dude. I'm on a Lord of the Rings podcast. All right, like come on, cachet. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care about Star Wars, just but but Lord of the Rings, man. That's where it's at. In addition to Lord of the Rings panel, there will be the House of the Dragon panel as well, uh, which I'm sure Nick will be covering in full detail. Mm-hmm. So they'll be checking that out. There's going to be a, obviously the, I guess the final Walking Dead panel. That'll be the one I'm checking out. Uh, the final episodes of The Walking Dead coming up this fall, they will have their final panel along with a panel for Tales of the Walking Dead, which is like an anthology series that they're doing, which is going to start soon as well. So that's all happening. There's, there's, let's talk, let's talk Marvel. I want to play a game with Devin here. Okay. There's going to be a Marvel panel on Saturday yes. night. They, in traditional Marvel fashion, have not announced what's going to be on the panel, who's going to be on the panel, what's going to be announced. There's always surprises. So here's what we're going to do I am going to name a Marvel project, and Devin is going to tell me whether she thinks there'll be cast members there, a new clip will be shown, 
both or neither. Okay. okay? So I'll name the project and you say cast members are going to be there or new clip or cast and new clip, you know, or neither. Nothing. Got it. Okay. okay here we go. First Bring one, on. She-Hulk. Uh, well, there's a trailer already and it's coming up first. So I think that's going to be clip and cast members. New clip and cast members? And cast members are going to be there because I think that is the next one. Yeah, it's that, the next one up, I think. Correct. That's coming out in August. So um, I think I think that is, it, I, I'm comparing this to the big Marvel panel in 2019, which was, you know, Black Widow was the next project. So they had the Black Widow trailer and the Black Widow cast, but then they also had a couple surprises. They were like, hey, Mishershala Ali is going to be Blade and everybody lost their minds. So for She-Hulk, I'm, I'm guessing um, footage and cast members. Footage and cast members. All right, next one. Black Panther 2. I think that one's also going to be footage and cast members because that one is done filming. And um, I don't know if it'll be a full trailer, but I'm sure they're going to bring something. Some footage. All right. Ant-Man 3. Ooh. Or Ant-Man and the Wasp, whatever yes. you want to call it. Yeah. Um, Quantumania. Qu- Quantumania. Yeah. Quantumania. Yeah. Quantumania. Title. That's what it like. Because um, <laughs> that, that's the other one that's coming up soon. Definitely cast members. Um, mm. Potentially a clip. We'll see. Okay. The Marvels. So the Marvels is interesting because if you guys watch Miss Marvel, you know, we got a little post-credit teaser for that. Yes. So we, and that's also filming. Um, so I think we're definitely going to get to see some footage from that one, I think. Um, now, well, I believe they are filming right now, but I could be wrong about that. So I'm not sure if the cast will be there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe a little tease, maybe a little something. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I need to go off course here for a second. I was on vacation, so I just finally caught up on the Miss Marvel finale. So I'm going to talk about that little teaser at the end. If you don't want to know, hit fast forward a minute. I was confused. Did she tackle her or become her? Like what happened in that closet? (laughs) I think they swap places. Do they swap places? Is that what happened? I think I think the head writer, Bisha K. Ali, came out and said that they swap places. Um, I spoke to the directors of that episode, Adil and Bilal, and they said that they um, actually, Nia DaCosta filmed that clip while filming for the Marvels. Gotcha. Um, so that was that was filmed while they were working on that. So I, I, I believe it is a swap places sort of situation. Now, now how that comes together... I don't know. We will have to wait and see. But I am I I'm a huge fan of of that storyline in the comics of, of Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel's sort of friendship and relationship. So I'm I'm very excited for that. All right. Next Marvel project. Clip, cast, both or neither. Okay. Guardians three. Ooh, I think they wrapped filming on that. So yeah, yeah I think I think, I think James Gunn said they did wrap filming on that one. So I, I think a clip wouldn't be out of uh, that's that's quite possible. It, but it's a large cast, so I can see them maybe getting like a couple cast members, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe like one or two. Like maybe they just get like, like there's no way like Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper are going to show up. They're they're busy. They're just in the the voice recording booth. But I I can see them maybe bringing in one or two cast members. All right, last one that I don't think has started filming yet. Blade. Ooh, yeah, no clips on that one yet. But um, they might bring Mahershala back. He was there in 2019, so I I can see that happening. Or maybe announcing some new cast I can see some concept art. They like to do concept art sometimes. Yeah. Or maybe like a logo reveal. You know, they they like a logo reveal. They love a timeline. We see a lot of those like timelines where it's like, here's everything that's coming in 2023, 2024. So I think that's that. I think those are all safe bets. And hopefully they'll have a couple surprises for us too. You know, maybe we'll get some news about Fantastic Four or some of the other things that they have in the works. Little phase five probably going to be unveiled. We'll, we'll 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 see what happens there. All right, there's one last thing at Comic Con I want to talk to you all about to get your take on. 
a big joke was made, geez, probably a decade ago or so, when, you know, all of a sudden networks and studios were bringing stuff to Comic-Con that really didn't seem like it belonged at Comic-Con. There's really nothing even remotely geeky about it. And the apex of this is when, uh, <laughs> when the middle ABC brought the middle oh, of Patricia that. Heaton, <laughs> like, like a funny show, a good show, like, but just like a very typical suburban comedy family show came to Comic-Con. And it was all of a sudden everyone's like, what is happening to our comic book convention now? So I asked that because this year they won't be in person, but there's going to be a virtual panel in the Indigo Ballroom, which is a big room, by the way, for Abbott Elementary. Now, Abbott Elementary mm-hmm. is a show that I've watched every single episode. We love the show at EW. Super it. funny, great performances. How do you all feel about Abbott Elementary, which is just at an elementary school in Philadelphia? There's no aliens. There's no special powers unless we consider teaching a special power. And indeed it is. But there's nothing remotely Comic-Con-y about it. It will be there. How do you all feel about that, Devin? Well, I'm torn because on one hand, you know, I, I'm like you. Where I'm like, eh, does this really make sense? But I also love Abbott Elementary and I'm delighted by it, you know. So I'm like, okay, they can show up. It's like I was there. I don't remember if it was 18 or 19 where um, The Good Place had like a huge activation. They like built yep. everything there. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit like, I love The Good Place. The Good Place is incredible. You know, Dalton, you were Zach Pizzazz. Um, yeah. But also I was a little like, is this the Comic-Con vibe? I don't know. But that's been one of the cool things about Comic-Con is that, you know, it is, there's something for everyone there. You know, whether you're a comics nerd or a video games nerd or you love to collect Funko Pops or whatever your thing is, there's something for everyone at Comic-Con. And so I, I think it's, you know, I'm a little bit like, eh, I don't know if all of these make sense, but you know what? The more the merrier. Sure. Bring it on. All right, Lauren, how do you feel about it? Yeah. As a Philadelphian, I will defend Abbott Elementary because, you know, you've got a rep for your for your uh, your city people. Um, I there are some more egregious ones that I find. There's a certain cop show that's showing up at Comic-Con that I find a little bit more like. And there's been some in the past. And I think the middle was definitely one of them where you're like, what is Comic-Con about this? But I think. With Abbott Elementary, there just seemed to be like a cult favorite thing about that. And I feel like with fandoms like that, I feel like, oh, you know, why not? You know, if you've got a big fandom and this is a fan experience to begin with. So I'm okay with that. There's some other shows, though, I would probably be like, no, I don't think so. I was surprised in the Indigo Ballroom just to watch a, a you know, a video Zoom screen, I guess. Yeah, uh, that seems panel. like odd that it's not like more of a uh, an actual, you know, yeah. live panel. Yeah, I'm fine with it. It's weird. But I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. Totally. There, like you said, there's been other comedies that have that have done stuff there. Yeah, ABC's the had a had had a presence in other Comic Cons. Um, all right, enough of this nonsense. We will have stuff from Comic Con hopefully for you next week. We're bringing out recording material, and as long as we can figure out how to work the devices, we should have some stuff for you as part of next week's podcast. But let's continue with this week's podcast because we have Devin's interview with Rosario Dawson and Natasha Lou Bordizo from the upcoming live action Ahsoka series, and it is coming up right after this super quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about Ahsoka. Rosario, I'd love to start with you. You know, this is a character you've played before in, in other people's stories, but what, what is it like to, to get to, you know, have, have her headline her own story? You know, it's, what's been amazing, I think, about Ahsoka and her journey over all of these different shows is how she's interwoven, mm. you know? And I think that's what's also really excited, exciting about the Ahsoka series is that it's interwoven. It's, it's, there's, and you're seeing it now with all of these different shows, how interwoven they are. Um, and I've only gotten experience that once before on sort of the Marvel shows. And I, I love it. You can watch them all stand alone or you can watch them sort of in order as they come out. And there's such a richness to it and a guiding principle. It's not just about these individual characters, whether it's named after the shows are yeah. named after them yeah. or not. The world building is so huge and the community is so mm-hmm. big. And what's so exciting, I think, about Ahsoka's journey over all of these years and how you can see her being cosplayed, but all of the people she interacts with also being cosplayed is because each of these characters is just, no one's a side character ever. Mm. You know, there's so much power to them and necessity to them in each of these stories. And that's what I'm excited about. You know, Ahsoka, just like in real life, is the costumers and (laughs) makeup and the sets and the designing and Dave and John and George and like so many different things and all of the characters she gets to interact. So it might say Ahsoka, but it's a family um, behind and in front of the stage. Ahsoka. (laughs) <laughs> it is, and it is. Yeah, I, 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 what I love about it is that I get to, you know, the little things that we've gotten to hint at in these other shows, mm-hmm. we get to more deeply explore. Because I think she, whether you've seen the previous animations or have only seen these episodes, she's still quite mysterious at this stage and point in her life. And so that's what I think is the most exciting part about of, of Ahsoka having her series here mm-hmm. is that you get to better understand her um, in this part of her journey. Oh, yeah. That makes total sense. And mission. And a mission. <laughs> Always a mission. Always a mission. We love a mission. Yes. And Natasha, tell me, you're you're joining as, as Sabine, who's this beloved character. What was it that excited you the most about, you know, bringing her into, into live action? Oh, my God, just to see the Rebels journey continue because it leaves you on such a cliffhanger and... There's so much more to say, and Dave has so much more story he wants to tell. I'm just so happy we get to do it with such a badass cast. And I think the fans will be really, really excited to, to, for the next journey. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you got involved in this. What was it? Did you get the call? How did that, how did that come together? I have been cast for a year now, so it's been a while that I've been holding on to this. I thought I'd have to hold on to it till the show came out, so the fact that I got to be part of Celebration was 
so special and unexpected. Um, yeah, I sent in a tape. I didn't know what I was auditioning for. I read scenes from a completely different film that had nothing to do with Star Wars. I wasn't told it was for this. And I just sort of, I saw the scenes and just by chance, my friend and I were like, this kind of feels like a young, like Han Solo vibe kind of thing. Maybe we should emulate that. We weren't given any information. Um, and I sent them in and it was a very, very quick process. I was like suspicious. I was like, wait, I, I, I had the offer for this. And then I met John Favreau later and he was basically like, I get it, I'm an actor. I don't want to put you through the ringer. I don't want to make you do a million takes and auditions and tests. Like we know we want you and that's it. And I really appreciated mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we got to see uh, Chopper on stage today. <laughs> tell me about yes. what's it like having Chopper on set? Do you get to act with him? Like what, can you tell me anything? No. <laughs> We're not gonna tell That's... you anything. I will say though, it is really awesome to have practical oh, yeah. effects and things to actually interact with. Yes. And all of the guys who work all of the machinery and are, you know, just, yeah. I mean, it's the coolest technology that exists, you know, and I've, I felt it, you know, it was literally the same guys who did the worm guys in Men in Black 2 who were mm. working Grogu mm. um, when I was That's on the so Mandos. Cool. We were like, oh my God, we've done this before. Um, and it's, you know, it just, it brings to life this world in a way that doesn't feel fantasy. Yeah. It feels very real. Because it is. Very We're real. such spoiled actors. Everything's there for us to look at and touch and see. And mm -hmm. it's amazing. So for both of you, what was the day you, you most geeked out on set? Every day? Pretty much every day. <laughs> Actually, I'd say maybe when I saw the volume for the first time, the set we work on. Wow. Like I'd seen the Disney featurette with the with the behind the scenes and everything. But when you're there in person and you see how quickly it can change um, from set to set and how they control it and how part of it's in focus and part of it's not. It's just mm -hmm. so crazy to be one of the first cast to be able to work on a technology like that. That's mm -hmm. definitely going to take over the world. So that is so cool. I definitely felt that when that I was on so cool. Mando. Ah, so cool. It's ah, so cool. Um, <laughs> When, and especially because Robert Rodriguez was filming a lot and I got to be on set with him. Mm -hmm. And we did, when we did Sin City, it was just, you know, green screen. Yeah. And we were tape on the floor and the cameras had to stay fixed. And then we had to rotate as actors to get our coverage. Wow. To do our overs and everything because the cameras had to stay fixed. And to now walk into this space where everyone can see everything yep. and it still has the grandness and scope and depth and breadth of Star Wars mm -hmm. in a room is just remarkable to see how far technology has come in such a short yeah. period of time. So yeah, definitely that would probably be one of my most exciting moments yeah. too, just stepping on stage and realizing, wait, we're shooting outdoors. <laughs> indoors? Oh There's God. not much left to imagine. It's all here. <laughs> we're all seeing the same thing. It's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And Rosario, I mean, have you gotten used to the process of, of putting on the head tails and the makeup and everything? Have you gotten it down to a science? Um, yeah, because I'm totally doing it by myself now. <laughs> You're doing am, your car. <laughs> I am the DJ while all of that is happening. And, uh, you know, it was a three-hour process when we first started. We have gotten it down now just for at least the makeup to an hour and a half. The whole look is about two hours. And it's just remarkable. It's such a team effort. Mm. And, uh, you know, and we're doing it at 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, just the sort of level of joy and mm. detail, you know, because you got to love it 
to do it. You know, I know people who could be claustrophobic doing it, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's, it's really not for the faint of heart. It could be daunting. You know, we've mm -hmm. got Alexis counting, yeah. who is one of the makeup artists. He's counting it by the days. I think we, you know, we've got a certain countdown of how many days of the makeups mm. that we're doing. And it's an interesting way to kind of look at the whole process, you know, like, wow, that is, it's dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens of days of it and going, yeah. wow. And, um, and every single day you're meticulous. Every yeah. single day, you're not like dialing yeah. it in. There's no dialing it in in Star Wars. There's no like, okay, I did this, it's old hat. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, each piece, every single part of it can mm. change. The weather, whether we're in their volume, we have to do different things because my skin tone changes. Um, you know, with, I have a whole forehead piece that I wear, and sometimes if the prosthetic itself is different, you know, so it's just, it, it feels very present. It makes, mm. it renders us very present every day. Um, and we count down every day we start yes. on how long it takes us. And we're like, oh, man, we did it in this many minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, Everyone wants a later call time. So we're like, oh, my God, it's 4.30 a.m. this morning <laughs> instead of 4.15. <laughs> yes! Um, so it's 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 really, um, it's cool. It's like yeah. war paint, putting on yeah. our war paint. I didn't even know you there. had a forehead piece. I couldn't even see it. Yeah. Wow. No They're eyebrows. Good. Ahsoka has no eyebrows. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I know that part, but I didn't realize you had a forehead piece. Yeah. I'm staring at this person every single day, and I didn't notice that. So that's they must how be good, good they are. That's how good they are. <laughs> We're truly the experts. <laughs> and Natasha, I'm curious for you: was there anything about joining Star Wars that that you weren't expecting, or that really surprised you? Just how nice everyone is. Honestly, the family element of it is—it's really like life imitating art. I think that's the message that they convey with the films and with the stories, and it's literally how they all live their lives. Like the producers, the crew, the creators, Dave, John, everyone. I think um, I just wasn't expecting that level. I remember when I first met with John and Dave, one of the first things John said to me was like, first thing you need to know is um, everyone we work with is nice. Just <laughs> everyone's nice. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's a cool requirement. Um, yep. So just being adopted into this family has been really beautiful to meet the people behind it and realize that they're a reflection of the characters they create. That makes sense. And one of the things I love about Ahsoka is that she's she's become a fan favorite over, it's been more than a decade now, and, and she, she means so much to so many people. Rosario, for you, what is it that, that why do you think Ahsoka um, resonates with so many people? I think a big part of it is because you got to, if you've seen her in the animation, you know, you've gotten to grow up with her mm. and watch her grow up. And, you know, she was a spunky, spirited teenager, you know, and who's, who's really growing into her wisdom and her experiences. And, you know, I think we've grown up with her. It's not like mm. we were suspended in animation during that time, like we've evolved. And when you go back and reflect and you yeah. watch those things, you you see yourself differently even. Um, and so I think that's just what's really fun is to, you know, it feels very real, whether it's animation or not, to see a character that is that you love evolve and mature, like literally mature. Mm. I love that that was a decision that was made by Dave. Like, yeah. I'm not putting it all out there. She has some milestones to achieve. And I think we don't celebrate milestones enough um, mm. individually and culturally, especially here in America, enough. You know, it's not just about hitting 18 or these different things. It's really about what have you learned, Yeah. you know, from your, not just your achievements, but from your mistakes. 
you know, and how does that inform you next? And I think that is something that I found really, really special. And what mm-hmm. I keep going back to when we're filming is to not just make sh- to make sure she's not flat. Yeah. That she's very as real as possible and that she's struggling with her humanity and her experiences and her desires and goals and like finding that balance in herself. I think in the same way that in a very different way, obviously, yes. I can't say the same way as everyone. She is a very particular um, being. But I think in a way that still feels very, um, that resonates, mm. you know, and, and yeah, especially because of the community around her and the yeah. relationships around her. I think she's so affected by her relationships. I think that's one of the things that seems like a, a story point within the Jedi, like no attachments or yeah. whatever. People get really hung up on that. Yeah. And that's, it's <laughs> not like that there's no relationships yeah. there and that there's no feeling. And I think actually because of people always kind of pushing to that no attachment thing, you're always kind of surprised by just how emotional she Mm. and everyone else is around her. And I think that's actually really beautiful because I think human beings surprise themselves how emotional they can be Mm. because we can kind of get into our routines as well and forget ourselves. And when Mm. we see that unexpected in a character that we love and think we've known so well, Mm. I think it reminds us that we can surprise ourselves too. Yeah, it's a great answer. I'm learning so much. (laughs) (laughs) What what about you, Natasha? What was it about Sabine that you most connected with or or most interested you about about her? I'm really connected to where she is at on her journey. I feel like there's a lot of parallels. Um, I think that a lot of people take so much inspiration from her bravery and her fearlessness and Mm -hmm. um, her trying to do the right thing with this rebel crew. But she's also imperfect and she's struggling and she's got a lot of internal conflict, which you saw in Rebels. But also, if you haven't seen Rebels, that's fine too. It's it's completely relatable on every level as someone who's trying to just overcome that conflict to be the highest version of themselves. Um, So yeah, there's a lot there, regardless of whether you've seen it or not. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you. Our thanks to Rosario Dawson and Natasha Lou Bordizo for joining us this week. Uh, And as a tease, we will have Mando himself, Pedro Pascal, with us next week. Not too shabby of a guest list we have accumulated here on the Dagobah Dispatch. Of course, you're also on the guest list, and we thank you for coming. If you have a quick second, we'd love it if you could please follow and please rate the podcast. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out right here on the pod, just like Jess Lovejoy 2016. Also hit us up on social media. You can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morg Lore. Speaking of those two last ladies, we also have our two new podcasts coming up. West of Westeros is going to be hosted by Lauren and Nick Romano. That's going to start on August 21st. Keep your eyes and ears out for that. And the excellently titled All Rings Considered hosted by Devin and Christian Holub, is starting up September 2nd. So keep and get ready for that one. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>